This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. That was marvellous, wasn't it? God just spoke to us, church. That was marvellous, wasn't it? Yes, it is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvellous in our eyes. Yes? So... I have just returned from foreign parts with my erstwhile son, who celebrated a birthday in the most northerly capital in the world. I know. I know. I love a a F-A-C-T fact. Right? So, we went to Reykjavik, and on one of the things we did, and I just feel like I come up here now and just talk about my holidays, which, don't get me wrong, I love doing, and I will carry on doing. I mean, I could bore the pants off you. But anyway, one of the things we did, we went to a national park, And we had this opportunity. They said, oh, there's tectonic plates. And I was like, that's nice. And um, (laughs) Joe was a bit more excited about that than me. And they said, there's a fissure, a crack in the tectonic plates. And you can look at them. I was like, hmm, that'll be nice. And, you know, because I thought, what? what?" But they're tectonic plates, isn't it? You know, they're volcanic. Iceland's not volcanic. And these are the plates of the earth. The very, I, I had not realised this until I looked at this stuff. So there's the Eurasian, honestly, I'm like, I just walk around. There's the Eurasian plate and the, no, and the North American plate. And, in, um, and apparently, if there's an, an aerial shot of Iceland, you can see the two running parallel through the country. I didn't do anything aerial. I just, I thought I was going to go to a little viewing platform. That's what I thought happened. Nice. Oh, look at that. Fissure. Mm, take a picture. Let's go. So, but, as I tell you, you know, take a picture. Where's the shops? Because there's always a gift shop. Yeah, am I right? Am I right? There's always a gift shop. And it's those little gift shops that demand we spend all our money. Yeah? On tat. Yeah. Uh, on tat. Who needs a key ring? Yep. Who needs a fridge magnet? I need a pen in the shape of a puffin. I've never needed one before. But more than ever, that is what is required for my life to be complete right now. So, so anyway, we're walking through this national park and there's, there's waterfalls and, and, you know, and I'm stunned and overawed by the glory of God. And I turn to John and I say, where are these plates then? And he, and he just went, right. He said, you need to knock this off your nonsense. He said, look around. And we are walking down a ravine surrounded by a 20-foot cliff on either side. And he said, you're walking through them. I was like, oh, that is slightly more impressive than I was expecting. And he just, and, and he said to me, he said, technically right now, we're standing on nowhere. What? What? I know, I, know, I was stunned by his cleverness at that point as well, because... <laughs> It shows itself to varying degrees. And I, was, and I was like, and he turned again and went, there's a sermon in there somewhere. And I said, well, you write it then. Ah, see, you write it then. But the tectonic plates are huge. And there's, they move two centimeters every year. The world is separating people. <laughs> we are at a time in our lives where things are changing, just physically as well. I mean, you mentioned California, didn't you? Things are changing. Life is short and changes, you know, changes cataclysmically and catastrophically for some people in the blink of an eye, doesn't it? And it just struck me that we were there and we were walking on nowhere. And I thought, do you know what? Where do we stand? Where do we stand? As Christians, this is a message today. If you're a non-Christian sitting here today, you will get lots out of this. I'm not being smug, but you will. But also, if you are a Christian here today, I hope this message hits home and challenges you to your core. Yeah? 
do you know what? I'm not here to come and stroke your head and kiss your forehead and feed you cupcakes and say Jesus loves you. Right? I'm here to say Jesus loves you. Now what are we doing about it? Yeah, that is the difference for our lives. That is the difference if you're a Christian. I'm not waiting for somebody to pander to my whims anymore. I am the hands and feet of the most Lord God. What am I doing about it? Right? Right? A bit shrill, but right? Yeah? So what we're talking about today is how we live our lives, how we do this. I am not about judging non-Christians. That is not my thing. You know what? We look at the world and expect them to behave a certain way. We should look at them the way Jesus loves them, right? Not how we want them to be once they're Christians and in the fold. We, we place a standard and a boundary on the world that people who are non-Christians will never meet for us because they can't. Amen? But we look at them that way. Yet when you're in the church, you say, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Right? So the same boundary, your message was brilliant, by the way. If you haven't heard the last two weeks where Pastor Phil was talking about boxes and boundaries, you need that in your life. No, real talk, you need that in your life. So get on the podcast and have a listen to them because it will change you if you let it. If you let it. So what we need to do is to be in a place where we are looking at the world and we are confident in our king that we are that change in that world. Amen? Amen. Where, where do you stand? Do you know what? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah, that's a line from a Public Enemy song. So I could have wrapped it if you'd wanted, but I chose not to. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. You will fall for anything people say. You will fall for what the inside of your own head tells you, and you will believe it. So we're going to crack on with some scripture. Is that okay? Of course it's okay. One or two of you said, that's okay, I, I agree, I concur, you should read some scripture. I am going to open up the word of the Lord, is that okay? Excellent, correct answer, let's move on. Don't be like that. We're going to talk about Joshua. I love Joshua. Do you love Joshua? I flipping love Joshua. Right, so what we're talking about are the Israelites. And the point to ponder today is where are we walking, where are we standing? Joshua was the leader of the Israelites after Moses had died. Agree? Agree. So we're going to look at Joshua 24. I know I've given Lee so many verses. For jo- I'm not going to have loads of scriptures today just up there. We're focusing on Joshua. But it's most of Joshua 24. And I thought, oh, shall I read all of that out? And then I thought, why would I not read all of that out to you? Is it so offensive to hear a lot of the word of the Lord on a Sunday morning? Is that what we're saying now, that we can't read chunks of scripture out? None of you said that to me. That was all inside my own head. Isn't it? Do you see how self-doubt can start you to compromise on the word of God. And that stood here right now, thinking, oh, do they need to hear all of this, Andrea? That's a big, long passage that you've got for them. This is the word of God. This is life to our bones. He's an all-consuming fire. If we want the dross burned up, we need him to replace our dross, do we not? So we crack on with his word. Here we go. The Israelites had been brought out of Egypt and were heading for the promised land. Now, Lots happened along the way, did it not? I encourage you to read the book of Exodus. For there were many, many, many a thing that they had to endure. And what they had to endure was God brought them, right, listen. God split a sea so they could walk through it. No, I'm going to say that again. He split a sea 
so they could walk through it. And yet, they ummed and ahed that he had their best interest at heart. Can you believe it? He appeared as a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of ash in the day to lead them on their way. And yet, they thought he might not have their best interest at heart. He gave them bread from heaven. Yes? You're all singing it in your head now. Right, so he gave them bread of heaven. And they got a bit bored with the bread of heaven. Can you give us anything else? What have we got? Have we got a Chinese or something, lad? I'm a bit bored. Do you know what I mean? I'm just a bit bored with it. He sent them grouse. He sent grouse, birds, that hovered at hip height so they could just walk out of their tent, grab one, and get back in and cook it. That's what he did for them. Their clothes and shoes didn't wear out in the 40 years they were in the wilderness. Didn't I'd be a bit gutted. I'm like, can I have new shoes, God? But he's like, no. You lie. He did all of this for them. He fought battles for them so they didn't even have to pick up a sword. He spoke to them through the mouth of a donkey. He got a pagan prophet who was sent to curse them to bless them instead. He did all of this for them. And yet, they ummed and ahed when it came to crossing over into the promised land. Can you hear what we're saying? He did all of that for them. And when God said, now there's the land, you can see it, go and take it, they said, but you mean it though? But do you mean it though? Now that I can see it, do you mean it? Do you really mean it? And this is what Joshua says to them, infinitely more gracious than I would be. He says, then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. They presented themselves before God, not before Joshua. Do you understand? Okay? Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the, fam- the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but to Jacob and his sons, they went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. Amen? When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. I delivered you out of his hand. Yes? See, can you see a pattern emerging? Yeah? Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did all the ites. But I gave them into your hands. I I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. I gave you land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you live in them, and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. This is straight talking from God, right? Now fear the Lord. 
and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. Oh, don't you love Joshua? In my head, I'd love to be Joshua. Yeah, I'd stand up and say all of that stuff to people. But you know what we do? We don't. We don't. We acknowledge that God might be king in our lives and has done wondrous things for us, but sometimes we stop short of that actual battle cry that takes us into the freedom in our own lives through Jesus Christ. You see, we need to define our terms. The promised land for the Israelites was just that, wasn't it? A land flowing with milk and honey. It was an actual land. It was symbolic of them moving from oppression into freedom. It was the land promised to them by God, despite their own aminanine and wondering and shenanigans and nonsense. Golden calf, I ask you. You know, besides all of that, God says, but I still have loved you with an everlasting love. And I will bring you into the promised land. For us today, our promised land is the freedom in Christ Jesus that we refuse to pick up on. Are you with me? It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Discuss. Do you know what I mean? We stand around thinking, but what is it? What is it? It is for freedom Christ set you free. You no longer need to be under the yoke of slavery that was established through the sin of our forefathers and our own. Christ Jesus died once and for all that we might live in freedom. Amen. Amen. And so what happens is rather than grasping onto that freedom through Christ Jesus, we find ways of settling and wandering. I ask us here today. How many of us in our hearts have settled for something that isn't freedom, but that is a poor facsimile of it, a copy of freedom, something that in its essence, in its nub, yes, you could describe it as freedom, but in its absolute heart and truth is as far from freedom as you can get. It's masquerading as freedom and we've embraced it with both arms. Yes? I ask us today how many of us are wandering a wandering, looking for what Jesus wants for us, looking for the will of God in our lives, looking for the purpose and calling of God in our lives. And God has said, I sent you Jesus. It is finished. But instead, we look for all the other stuff. Are we saying Jesus isn't enough? I think if I sat each and every one of you down or you sat me down, we would never say that. But we act and live in our hearts as though he isn't. Right? Are you with me? There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. If we are not entering into his freedom completely, we are not entering into his freedom at all. Are you with me on that? People are like that. Sunday morning, Andrea, 12 hours ago, I was watching Strictly. Do you know what I mean? It was all, it was all sequins and takeaways last night, and here you are telling me, you know... If you are not entered wholeheartedly and completely into the freedom that is in Christ Jesus, you are not free at all. Yes? Let's embrace that. Let's question ourselves. Let's use our love and faith as a barometer of where our life is and where it's taking us. And stop focusing on ourselves and each other and know that the path I take is Jesus Christ alone. Yeah? So you know what? We are going to crack on with this. 
I think I love this word. This word was really easy to write, which means you're all probably going to hate it and have a go at me after because it just flowed. What we need to do is recognise what Joshua offers the people is a choice, isn't it? You know, God is binary. You either believe him or you don't. Jesus is binary. He's either Lord or he isn't. Joshua offers people the choice. You either choose God or you don't. Do not make the mistake of thinking that just because there are bits of your life that aren't submitted to Jesus, the rest of your choices count. He wants it all, church. And if he doesn't have it all, it's nothing. Do you get me? Is this okay? You're nodding, but your faces are going, no, it's absolutely not okay. I do not need to be challenged in this way. Listen, it's as simple as an upraised hand during worship, okay? You can be in the midst of it, and you are worshipping the Lord your God with all your heart. The second you walk out of here and criticise anyone, it's like your hand was never up. It's all our life. All of our lives. Where, are, you know, the last time I spoke, I spoke, where are we locating God? If he isn't located in the totality of our lives, he isn't located at all. How are we connecting with him? How are we responding with him? And it comes down to a choice. Our way or God's way? Yes? So our way is this chair. Okay? Come, sir. This is my way. So it's easy to sit and settle. It's easy to be me when I'm here, but over here there's a narrow way, isn't there? That's what the Bible calls it. Not because it's difficult, but because there's only one way. There's no negotiating with how you get to Jesus. It's through Jesus. That sounds like people are going, yeah. No, listen to what I'm saying. It's not about how good a person you are. It's not about how much you do. It's not about how kind and nice you are to other people. It isn't about anything to do with that. It is about whether your faith is in Christ Jesus or not. That's why it's a narrow way. You know, so we sometimes, friends, we sell the truth for a lie. Because we think we're doing the right thing. But you know what? That thing isn't Jesus. That thing, and if it isn't Jesus, it will never lead you to God the Father. It'll lead you somewhere. It will lead you somewhere but it won't lead you to God the Father. So I want us to focus on a few things regarding our own way. What do we rely on when we're going out on our own way? So these should be some checks and balances in our lives. So these should be little warning signs, little red flags, little oh, safeguards, speed bumps in the road, if you will, for us to check up on ourselves to see if we're actually going our way rather than God's way. Yes? Oh, good. I haven't breathed for about 15 minutes. So there we go. Right. Point number one, when we go our own way, we rely on a single story. Write that down if you're making notes. We rely on a single story. There's an amazing TED Talk. I must look up her name. I was on a course about um, training for fa Ooh, systemic family therapy. And the, the tutor showed this TED Talk. Again, if you look at it, it will change your life. Because the best things that change your lives speak to our own human condition, don't they? Don't they? That's what I think. If something is really life-changing, it's because it's changed me and my outlook. And this is called The Danger of the Single Story. It's by a Nigerian writer, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. If you Google single story, she will come up straight away. Okay? Because I couldn't remember the name or the spelling. But it is amazing. And it, is, it warns against the dangers. Because what it says, this, 
a single story will always have a little kernel of truth in it. But the danger is this. If you excessively repeat the single story, it takes on its own truth. So if you come to me with a reductive labelling attitude regarding me, and that is your single story regarding me, then that to you is your truth about me. And it doesn't allow for the fact that I am a whole human being made in the image of God. You have just reduced me to what my single story is. Do you understand? So the danger in that is, is that it is endlessly repeated. It will kid all of you into thinking that it's the truth. Let's be really blunt about it. The easiest labels to put on somebody like me would be to say, you know, Andrea, the single mother. I am not a single mother. I am a servant of the Most High God. Step up to me at your peril, church, and we will exchange a full and frank communication, and you will come off second best. Right, so we're just saying, when it is always reductive, and it is always to the benefit of the person doing the reducing, what you want is for me to pipe down. What you want is for me to not be as free as I am. Even got my hand in my pocket, that's how calm I am. You can't see it balling into a fist. What people want is to keep you in your box. They want to keep you in your place. You're the one with no GCSEs. Don't you stand up there pretending you know stuff. You're the one who's messed up your own life. Don't you try and cancel me about stuff. You're the one who's this, that, and the other. And you become a single story for people. And that is not Christ-like. So we do that. These are external and internal influences. It is possible for you to believe your own single story. I'll always be lonely. I'll always be lonely. There's nobody out there for me. I'll always be lonely. That thing I did will always be there. I will always be that person. I will always be that sinner. I will always be that. It will only ever be this. And we all do it naturally. What do you do for a living? I'm a nurse. No, I'm not. I'm a youth liaison nurse. I head up a team. You know, there's so much more to us, but we settle for a single story because when it's comfortable for us, you know, a single storyness, if we don't want to be challenged and changed, but it's comfortable for you to believe the single story because you want me not challenged and unchanged. Do you get it? We reduce people. We label people through a single story that is ultimately the most ungodlike thing you can do to someone. And that is your own way. Don't challenge me, Andrea. You don't understand what happened to me. I can't ever change. How can God be bigger than that? How can God be bigger than that? So I'll sit here, but in church on a Sunday, I'm like this. You're not free, my friends. And I pray the Father that you will be. I pray that some of you are not sitting there now focusing on your single story. You're taking it to Jesus to be set free. You are greater than the sum of your parts. Do you understand? We are the body of the living God. We are the ecclesia. We are his hands and feet. It serves no one if you are playing small. Do you understand? Do you understand? That's why this is so important reject the single story that you are believing about yourself or that you have imposed upon yourself. Amen? 
It's encouraging, really, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't know. You might not think so. You might be like that. Andrea, you're churning stuff up from my past, and I'm just not ready to look at it. Friend, the Holy Spirit is here. Let him help you deal with it. You with me? There is nothing that is bigger than Christ Jesus. Nothing. Do you understand? There is nothing, nothing that he can't deal with, that he can't meet you in that place and say, it's okay, let me take you and let me help you. This is a safe place, church. This is a safe place where we help each other, yeah? If one of our brothers and sisters is in turmoil after this today, what do we do? We put our arms around them and we pray God the Father with them. Amen? Amen. Because this stuff is big and when it's churned up, it hurts. But God is bigger than our hurts. Amen? So choose today. Choose today to reject the single story. Point two, the other thing that we rely on and other people rely on is the unreliable narrator. Ever heard of the unreliable narrator? No. Forgive me in my English graduate ways. I love a literary trope. That is, it's a thing. If you read books like um, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, the narrator all the way through that book gives us a version of events until at the end of the book we find out she was wrong all along. You read something like Agatha Christie's The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, the narrator tells you one version of events until at the very end your breath is taken away because you believed a pack of lies. An unreliable narrator will have a story about you that isn't true, but which they tell everybody is true. This is closely aligned to the single story. The unreliable narrator depends on a lot of people believing the single story so they can keep it going. If anybody is coming to you with a story that you think is not true, you believe your version. Why are you believing other people's versions of you? If that isn't based in love and truth, there's a way of talking to people, isn't there? Isn't there? There's a way of saying to people, listen, let us reason together. But if you're sitting somewhere and hearing a second-hand story about you from someone, you know an unreliable narrator's at work. And that should be discarded. Don't listen to the unreliable narrator. We're our own unreliable narrator sometimes, aren't we? Where we tell ourselves a version of events because it gets us off the hook. Here today, we need to own our own stuff. Own your stuff, church. Do not rely on your internal unreliable narrator saying, yeah, but you only did that because they did this. That's not okay. You need to say, I need to say, I did this and it wasn't okay, but you make all things new. Thank you, Jesus. Stop listening to that internal voice that gives you excuses and not reasons why things happened. It was them. It was them all along. It was them all along. If you're listening in your world to anybody who is coming to you with a story about somebody else that isn't corroborated by that person, discard that story. Do you understand? Has that person got an axe to grind? Is that person being critical? Whether that story is true or not, the fact that they've taken it upon themselves to tell you means it's gossip. Are you with me? Since when has gossip had any, any leverage in the Church of Jesus Christ? Answers on a postcard, please. But we take all of that on board. But they said, well, I spoke to them, and what they say is, listen, a version of the truth is not Christ's truth. 
We live in a place, your own choice now is, you live your own version of your truth, and that's you. This is my truth, don't you come against my truth. My truth is this, I love Jesus, but this is my truth about my life, the people in my life, and what people are saying, as opposed to, this is Christ's truth, that's all there is. Do you understand, that's all there is? Because Jesus died for us in love. If it isn't love, it isn't Jesus. Do you understand? If people want to sit you down in a room and tell you every rotten thing you've ever done and tear a strip of you, is that Jesus Christ? Is that Jesus Christ? No. I'm only telling you this because I love you. No, you're not. You're telling me this because you want to hurt me. You're telling me this because you don't want me rising up in freedom. You're telling me this because you want me to stop. You're telling me this because you don't like me. And rather than see me living a life of freedom, you'll try and hurt me and niggle me in any way you can. Come on. We've all got them in our lives. We've all got them in our lives. And shall I tell you something? The way I am dealt with professionally by people in my life is impeccable. The worst slurs on my character I have had to endure in the Church of Jesus Christ. It's true. Don't you look at me like that. The worst slurs, the worst things have been said to me dressed up as, I'm saying it because I love you. No, you're not. You're saying it because you want to do what I'm doing. But the reason you're not doing what I'm doing is because your heart is as far from Christ as it's possible to be. Oh, look. Time is short. Time is short. And if we don't get our act together... There's a world of lies out there that'll take our place. Horoscopes, psychics, fortune tellers. Yeah, yeah. Alternative ideologies, you know, crystals and chakras. All right, come on. They're all out there waiting to take the place of Jesus Christ. Because do you know what that stuff isn't? Challenging. Come here, let me rub your feet. I'll light a candle, you'll be fine. Come on. Have you tried going vegan? You know, have you, you know, have you tried this? You'll feel so much better. Well, what about looking at my stuff that I've done to other people or other people have done to me and dealing with it? No, just light a candle. Let's just light a candle. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. How? How do I let it go? Through Jesus Christ Almighty. That's not what the world will teach you. You see, what the single story in the unreliable narrator will be telling you right now is, that's not very loving what she's saying. That's not very loving. But I love you too much to not say it. What isn't loving is when I get you in a room on your own and tell you all how horrible you are and how horrible I think you are. That's not Jesus. Don't listen to that. But if somebody is saying, listen, I don't need to know the stuff that's gone on. I don't. But I would have you whole, friends. God would have you whole. You don't need to tell me or be accountable to me. But God is saying, when I have called you to this path and you just sit here like this, then you're not being honorable to me, God says. Do you understand? Because it's nice to put your feet up, isn't it? It's really nice right now, actually. These years are killing me. Uh, you know? So it's nice to put your feet up, isn't it? It's nice to blame other people. It's nice to say this stuff only happened because they did that. Instead of saying, actually, I walk this path and sometimes my feet hurt, but I know God is for me, not against me. And I will crack on and I will carry on, 
even if other people come against me with their attitude and with their words and with their lies, I will not stop doing what I am doing because I am called for purpose and power to such a royal position as this. You see, people will hate your confidence. You get confident, that's when you can expect a few jibes coming your way. But don't let that stop you. But we let that stop us, don't we? Because actually, to some of us, it's way more important to be liked. Oh, don't look at me like that. People are like that. Actually, they're looking at the floor like that. Do you know what? I'm really interested in my nails right now, Andrea. I'm not, I think there's a little bit of a snag on them, and I just need to look really closely at them. Listen, for some of us, it's more important to be liked than to have difficult conversations with people or to stand in places where actually we have to stand for something. We would much rather sit down, have the quiet life, and not have to front that out. But you know what? Jesus didn't call us for comfort. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world, says Jesus. Yeah? But we actually would rather choose that. Okay, Jesus, you crack on with that. I'm just going to sit down nice. Is that okay? Listen. In Act 7, Stephen had to do something he'd never done before, didn't he? And he actually repeats a lot of what Joshua says to the Israelites. He reminds the Jews of who they are, where they've come from, what they fought for, what they've overcome. And he reminds them that Jesus came and they didn't believe him. And it's at that point they start screaming and dragging him out to stone him because he confronted them with the biggest truth in the world that they had refused to accept. Jesus came and you killed him. So our choice is to stand where Stephen stood and to choose God's way or to not. It's very simple. And you know what? If you don't, you might have a lovely life. You might. You might have a lovely life sitting on your chair. But you might achieve nothing. Ultimately, what do we achieve if we're comfortable? We might achieve a lovely life and lovely kids and a lovely house and lovely teas on the table at six o'clock every evening. But you know what Christ is saying? But there was so much more out there for you. I had so much work for you to do. I had so much blessing to give you. I had so much power to unleash in you. And you sold it for a lasagna at six o'clock at night with your nice partner. It's time to be challenged. It's time to be stirred. It's time to get out of our comfort zones. I know comfort zone is such a blinking cliche, but it's true. Because the third point I'm coming to is this is that as Christians, what we love to adopt very often as our main excuse for not doing things is, wait, this is going through my head now. Can you see the actual struggle in my brain thinking, shall I do it? Shall I do it? I'm going to do it. The moral high ground. We love the moral high ground. The moral high ground states that what you believe is superior to those around you. So actually, we think we don't have to change. It's all the world that should change to accommodate us. We are never more Christ-like when we think we're above Christ. Come on. So from up here, I look down and everything. But you know what? With Jesus, it's the narrow path. It's the narrow door. He was eating with prostitutes and tax collectors and the scum of the earth. (laughs) But we would like to say, but actually we do it so much better than everybody else. If anybody comes to you and they say, do you know the way they do it? I'm just not sold on the way they do it. I think, you know, I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's biblical that they allow women to preach. Then you have just missed the point that the word of the Lord is being opened up to you. I don't think it's biblical that they worship the way they do. 
then you have just rejected an opportunity to worship the Lord your God. Oh, I don't think it's biblical that they have midweek meetings. I don't think it's biblical that they do this. I don't think it's actually Christ-like or biblical. Do you know what? If you're listening to that narrative or somebody's doing that, they have placed themselves way above Jesus. Because Jesus broke bread with anybody who wanted to. And he didn't put a time limit on it. He didn't say, between the hours of this and this, I shall be at my most Christian best. So please come and see me then, if you wouldn't mind. I will be absolutely impeccable on a Sunday morning between the hours of 10.30 and 12. That's when you'll get my best Christian response. Otherwise, leave me alone. That isn't what Jesus says. But we like to stand up. I nearly wobbled then, do you see? But we like to stand up here telling people how they should do it. Don't we? We like to stand up here telling non-Christians how they should do it. How are they meant to do it without the power of Christ in their lives? But we place ourselves up here and saying, you should be a bit more like me and the second we say you should be a bit more like me I'm all right I could run a four minute mile in these I <laughs> so instead of here we avoid this bit here where Jesus is going do you know what when your feet get tired don't you worry you put your head on my shoulder and I'll do the walking for you don't worry come down here I will carry your burdens I will take your yoke and you'll carry what I'm carrying which is easy and light because I love you so much. Jesus doesn't stand above us telling us how we should be doing things because his yoke is easy, his burden is light, his law is love, and the grace, the unforced rhythms of grace, the message version calls it, are so prevalent in our lives that we get to do this thing with him. And not once does he stand looking over me saying, do you know what? You're not nearly as good as me, Andrea, but you know, I'll help you along the way. If you know, don't worry about it. God looks at me as though I am Christ Jesus. God looks at you as though you are Christ Jesus. You are co-heirs with Christ. There's no moral high ground in that. Jesus not once talks about hierarchy and how he's in charge of stuff. He only ever points to God the Father. He considered equality with God something not to be grasped. But very often in our churches, we are serving alongside people who just love to tell you they're a bit more important than you. Yes? They're a bit more important than you. They're a bit more clever than you. They're a bit more godly than you. They're a bit better at everything. My kids are a bit nicer than you. You know, my everything's a little bit nicer about me than it is about you. But you know what? Welcome to church on Sunday. And that's what we do to people. We adopt this when we should be stood here. The call and purpose on our lives is the same for every single one of us. Do you understand? So people get hung up, you know what, I'm a, I'm a leader, but they just don't recognise my leadership skills. I'm a worship leader, but they just don't ask me to sing. You know, I should be doing a house group, but you know, nobody ever wants to come to me. It's all because, do you know why? It's obvious, babe. I'm not being funny, because you're a bit like that. And a bit not too Christ-like. If you have to tell me how good you are at everything, do you know what's in my head? Birdsong. I'm like, <laughs> because self-praise is no praise. Self-praise is no praise. The calling and purpose God has placed in our lives is exactly the same for each and every one of us. So please don't tell me how much better you are than me. You know? Because as far as I am concerned, I serve beneath you all. We serve each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. The call and purpose on our life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. When you do this, you are fulfilling the law of God. That's the calling on your life. Simple, right? That is the calling on your life. Our purpose is to go and make disciples of all nations. And as we go, God is with us. That is the purpose and calling on our life. And it is the same for every one of you. So when people like to get on their chair and tell you how they're so much better than you, you say we are called to the same God. We are called through the same Jesus Christ. We are called for the same purpose. We are called for the same law. And when we put the perfect, the perfect representation of the law is Christ Jesus, isn't it? So when you are telling me how much better you are than me, you are never further than possible from Christ Jesus because he says, come with me, let's serve together. Come with me, let's serve together. Today, you're being faced with a choice. My friends, my friends, I pray that you will receive this message in the spirit in which it is given, which is encouragement and hope and love that is only found in Christ Jesus. And I ask you today, I ask you and urge you today to make your choice. God stands before you and he says, if you want to choose the way of your forefathers, you can go that way. If you want to choose other gods that you have created for yourself, you can go that way. But I ask you to choose today if you will follow the Lord. Wholeheartedly, unreservedly, with a heart that says, here I am, take me, call me, use me, spend me. If that's you today, then I urge you and pray God the Father that you would take up the baton and start living in that way. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.